From Mediacorp and One Up Media, this is Post Love. Essays on love, life, and everything in between. A big fat apology. Call it what you will. Plus sized, corpulent, heavy set. The labels never mattered to Mike and me. We found solace in the fact that we were in this together, navigating a world that often didn't understand or accept us. Personally, my life was framed by obesity from the start. Born into a family where being overweight was the norm. Growing up, admitting hunger among friends felt like a confession, one I was too scared to make. Flirtation always seemed like a setup for ridicule, leading me to seek refuge at the furthest corner of the bar, nibbling away at the comfort of stale countertop peanuts. But what many didn't realize was that avoiding unhealthy foods wasn't always within my control. Family meals, rich in tradition but poor in nutrition, presented a choice. My health or my family's bond. Family was important to me, so I chose the latter, quietly resigning myself to a solitary life. And then, seemingly out of nowhere, Mike came along. Mike was initially skinnier than me, but he was by no means thin. Just like me, he had wrestled with obesity his whole life and convinced that no girl would love him. Except I did. I understood him like no one else would. And he did me. Together, we faced the taunts, the challenges, and the societal pressures that came with our size. But after three years of dating, we prevailed and got married, embracing each other for every bit of us. The whole 200 kgs. With that being said, Mike's encounters with my father were limited. Barely a dozen times before we lost him. Their brief interactions weren't due to any ill feelings, but rather the untimely nature of my father's passing. At just 48, a heart attack claimed him. His weight, around 130 kilograms on a not-so-tall frame, was a contributing factor, a detail that made the aftermath even more challenging. The process of cremation revealed harsh realities we hadn't considered. The industry, it seems, has different protocols for those they deem oversized. The costs for handling my father were significantly higher, requiring a specialised cot to bear his weight along with extra hands beyond the standard two. Ignorantly, we had assumed the struggles tied to obesity would end with death. At the funeral home, the financial burdens of being oversized became painfully clear. 
The amount of fuel required for cremation increased with body weight, approximately 1.7 litres more for every additional 10 kg. The standard cremation container was also replaced with one designed for heavier loads, using a reinforced plywood base. On the day of cremation, we weren't spared either. They charged us for extra precautions. Our father's body fat percentage was so high that grease fire became a cause for concern. Initially, my mother and I were in disbelief, frustrated and convinced we were being unfairly overcharged. Yet, as we came to understand the reasons behind these measures, our anger gave way to a somber acceptance. We had comforted ourselves with the thought that facing obesity together somehow shielded us from its consequences. The stark reality laid bare by the loss of my father forced us to confront the truth. Something was clearly wrong. That evening, we invited my mother to stay with us, sparing her the solitude of the night following the funeral. It marked a pivotal moment for Mike and me, one that would redefine the course of our relationship. Our usual evening routine involved indulging in air-fried snacks, a habit we justified as healthier because, after all, it was air-fried. That night, as I prepared extra nuggets for my mother, she immediately broke down in tears upon receiving them. I have only two regrets in my life. Watching your father eat himself to death, and not doing anything to stop you and your brother from following in his footsteps. Her words struck me with an unforeseen force. I discarded the nuggets and my own portion quietly. After ensuring my mother was asleep, I sought Mike's presence for a heart-to-heart, sharing with him my mother's profound regrets. Mike offered, aiming to console me. The loss must have hit her deeply. Yes, but don't you think she has a point? She's grieving and feeling isolated. But isn't it possible we're treading the same path? That question hung between us. Our marriage had been a sanctuary of mutual acceptance, of loving each other as we were. Now, I was challenging that foundation, proposing that Perhaps change wasn't just necessary, it was crucial. Mike's hesitation was obvious, stirring a deep concern within me. Mike, my fear is that we might be inadvertently holding each other back from becoming our best selves. He looked at me, a hint of worry in his eyes. Are you suggesting that we're worse because we're fat? No, absolutely not. What I mean is, shouldn't we aim for a healthier lifestyle? We're not getting any younger. So you're saying we should lose weight? If that's part of being healthier, then yes. I believe it's necessary. I knew it. I had braced myself for his departure. On our wedding day, we vowed to accept each other wholly to offer the kind of unconditional love we had been denied by others. I feared this conversation might feel like a breach of that promise. Yet I knew it was a dialogue we couldn't avoid. Later that night, 
as we lay side by side, I drew myself closer to him, nestling against the part of him I cherished most, his waist. Though I sensed his wakefulness, I whispered into his ear, I'm sorry for the words I spoke earlier. He turned towards me, his kiss gentle, filled with understanding. I'm sorry for walking away. You know what our lives were like. It's just hard to talk about it. Yes, I do. But Mike, more than anything, I want us to share moments like this into our 50s, 60s and beyond. I can't bear the thought of ending up like my mother. Alone. He sighed. Okay, I promise you won't. The very next morning, we both agreed to face the reality of our situation, scale and all. My weight hovered around 100 kg, while Mike tipped the scales at 125 kg, alarmingly close to my father's weight at his time of passing. We made a vow then and there, a joint goal to shed 20 kg in the coming year, followed by another 20 kg the year after. The initial step in our journey was to confront our dietary habits head-on. Laying out a day's worth of our typical meals was a sobering sight. Breakfast alone was equivalent to two fast-food meals each, often consisting of the heaviest pancakes or slices of bread drowning in maple syrup. Lunch was no less indulgent, with double portions of meat, particularly fatty roast pork, accompanied by a sugary coffee that did more harm than good. Throughout the day, our consumption of soft drinks was unchecked, leading up to a dinner that mirrored lunch, and a supper that doubled down on our breakfast choices. With everything laid bare, the path seemed straightforward. Trim the excess. We agreed to cut out the extra elements of our meals, no more additional servings of pork, so we allowed ourselves the occasional indulgence of savouring the fat. Embarking on this journey was anything but easy. The adjustment period was particularly challenging. Our bodies had grown accustomed to being constantly filled, to the point where a single meal at breakfast left us feeling notably empty and weak. However, as the days turned into weeks, we gradually adapted. Reducing our breakfast to what would be considered a typical amount for one person was our first major step. Next, we tackled supper, first halving our usual intake, and then, over time, eliminating it altogether. To further cement our commitment, we opened a joint account specifically dedicated to our dieting journey. This transparency in our eating expenses meant we were both fully accountable, not just to ourselves, but to each other. As the first year of our pact came to a close, the moment of truth arrived with our scheduled weigh-in. Together, we had managed to shed around 20 kgs. The sense of achievement was overwhelming. For the first time, I truly believed in the feasibility of our goal. Contrary to my initial fears, embarking on a diet and sticking to it proved to be a challenge within our reach. As the second year unfolded, our journey took a more challenging turn. 
Mike received a well-deserved promotion, but with it came an increase in stress. We found ourselves at a crossroads, discussing priorities and values. For me, health was non-negotiable. I would rather see Mike shed 20 kg than add to his annual salary. However, this promotion was a milestone Mike had long aspired to reach. We struck a compromise. Mike would aim for a more modest weight loss that year, provided he made some progress. He also committed to joining me in obtaining a gym membership, a shared journey towards better health. Our gym visits began as a weekly ritual, but as my own fitness improved, I found the energy and desire to increase our sessions to twice a week. But Mike's demanding job kept him from joining me. His work, demanding night calls to align with global markets, meant he had to carve out his own routine. He ultimately decided on Monday mornings to start off strong. However, three months into our revised plan, doubts began to cloud my optimism. Mike's spending on our joint account for meals had dwindled. Why? Was he buying fast food with his personal account? The thought of confronting him weighed heavily on me. Aware of our shared struggles and the pressures we face, I hesitated to cast doubt on his commitment. Maybe it's just a rough patch at work and he needed to distress. When I discreetly inquired at the gym, the staff, including the regular Monday trainers, confirmed my fears. They hadn't seen him. This revelation was a blow. Despite my own progress, 7kg lighter, I felt a profound sense of disappointment. Torn, I grappled with how to approach him. Would confronting Mike about his diet make me become another bully in his story? The weight of suspicion grew unbearable as the days passed. I tried to shove aside the nagging doubts, but the evidence, or lack thereof, was undeniable. One evening, as the sun dipped below the horizon, I decided it was time to confront the issue head-on. Mike had just come home, looking more exhausted than usual, his eyes avoiding mine. The air between us was charged, a prelude to the storm I knew was coming. I began, my voice steadier than I felt. Mike, we need to talk about something important. He tensed. Sure. What's up? It's about our diet and the gym. I spoke to the gym staff. They haven't seen you there in months, Mike. As I laid out my concerns, Mike's face grew increasingly pale. Suddenly, his eyes rolled back and he collapsed to the floor, unconscious. Panic seized me as I dialed emergency services, my heart racing with fear for his life. At the hospital, as doctors rushed to attend to him, the gravity of our situation began to dawn on me. After what felt like an eternity, the doctor approached me, his expression grave. Your husband is suffering from severe dehydration and a significant lack of nutrients, he explained. It appears he has been 
under extreme dietary stress for some time. As the doctor's words sank in, a torrent of guilt overwhelmed me. Mike wasn't eating out on the sly. He was starving himself. He had probably felt too tired to even manage a gym session. Mike had been struggling silently, pushing himself to meet an ideal that I had imposed on us both. In my zealous pursuit of health, I had lost sight of our well-being. No, of his well-being, and drove Mike to the edge. Sitting beside Mike's hospital bed, watching him weakly open his eyes, I was flooded with relief and remorse. With tears streaming down my face, I whispered, I'm so sorry. I pushed us too hard. I forgot what really matters. Mike squeezed my hand, his voice weak but filled with love. No, you knew what mattered. It's for our health. I just took it too far. Oh, Mike. As I held his hand, watching the slow rise and fall of his chest, I made a silent vow. We would rebuild our journey together, this time focusing on nourishment in every sense, body, mind and soul. Our love, I realised, was not just about accepting each other as we were, but about supporting each other's health and happiness without losing sight of what truly matters. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Post Love, brought to you by Mediacorp and produced by OneUp Media. If you would like to share some feedback or share your own stories, drop us an email. Our email is found in the description. This episode is produced by Guangjin, script by RC, edited by Alex, audio experience by Ethan Sam, Wang An from OneUp Media, voiced by Gloria. Special thanks to executive producers Danny Cordy from Mediacorp. We hope to see you again soon in the next episode of Post Love.